You're listening to Flux, a podcast about design and development. Our crafters will take you on a journey to discover more about digital innovation. Hi everyone, and welcome to the first episode of our podcast Flux by Movify. My name is Isabel Bamber, and I'm the UI lead at Movify. My name is Thomas. I'm the UX uh, designer at Movify, and we're joined with uh, Xavier, who is design lead here also at Movify. Uh, he's going to be discussing all things metaverse today with us. Um, so, where to start in this virtual ether? How did you, how did you first get into, into the metaverse? How did you yes. approach this? Hello, guys. Um, so actually, the metaverse is something that is uh, very buzzing at the moment. You know, uh, everybody's talking about the, about the metaverse, especially recently. And uh, I wanted to I know more about it, of course, but I also wanted to be super critical about it as well. So going beyond, you know, the marketing fluff that you can get out of it and just really trying to understand it. So can you first explain to us what exactly is the metaverse, just so that our listeners can get a ground clear grounding of what, what we're talking about here. Yeah, uh, so of course it's always difficult to define because it's a bit of a moving target and it depends of course uh, from uh, one opinion to another. Uh, but maybe a way to put it is that uh, usually the metaverse is uh, linked to some kind of virtual worlds you can, you can evolve in. Uh, it has a social dimension, so it's not something solo. You really need to be interacting with people. That's what, where you actually get the value out of it. Um, it is also, also something persistent, meaning that you can see it as a virtual world, but whether you actually join in or not, uh, it continues with or without you, basically. It's really like a parallel world, if you want, to, to ours. Um, and maybe one last characteristic could be the fact that it's, it should be transactional, so meaning that you have a kind of a economy happening in it, uh, so you could have money or any kind of currency, maybe more cryptocurrency in that case, that you can spend uh, to actually buy digital goods. Uh, so, um, yeah, it's really almost like a world parallel a bit like two hours, um, like almost, almost like a copy-paste or like a twin world. Uh, but yeah, like I was saying in the beginning, it's also a moving target defining the metaverse. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And can you, can you tell us a little bit about what companies have, also have already started to um, look into this and what company is maybe the most evolved in the subject? Yeah. So, of course, you can expect, you know, the usual suspects like Microsoft, Apple, uh, those mm. GAFA, GAFAM companies. Uh, they are all invested in it, but in different ways. So it can be via maybe building hardware like headsets, for instance, or maybe more on the software side. Or maybe they have uh, some, let's say, digital property or digital license they could uh, use to make money out of it in the in the in, in the potential metaverse. So let's say a company like Sony, uh, maybe uh, we will talk about it later. Maybe but Epic with Fortnite. Uh, all those companies have a specific interest or have maybe an opportunity to actually invest in this metaverse. But I think the real question is who actually will be the one that will put all the pieces together <laughs> at the right mm. time uh, to actually be uh, a potential candidate. But maybe to take a step back um, a second, maybe to could you explain a little bit how, how it all started? Uh, from where, where did it come from? Yeah, yeah it's a bit... Uh, <laughs> now everyone is talking about it. Uh, uh, usually it's because, it's because of uh, you know, Facebook uh, announcing its rebranding as Meta, and so it's 
generated, generated a lot of discussion, of course, around it, and they pushed a lot of conversation around the metaverse. Uh, but actually, that's if you go beyond that, and if you uh, set Facebook aside a minute, uh, and the uh, communication around it, uh, you realize that the metaverse uh, notion is something that exists quite for a long time now. Uh, it was coined in a, uh, the term itself was coined in a novel, uh, uh, which was called Snow Crash. So basically, it's uh, something set in the cyberpunk genre. Uh, so in kind of a dystopian reality, you are evolving in, and you have that virtual world you can access, which is maybe fancier or better place to be in. Um, and so, yeah, it was more uh, described like this, like in a novel, so fictional. Uh, maybe a more recent example could be uh, maybe the movie, the movie that you know, Ready Player One by Steven Spielberg. Mm -hmm. yeah. We can connect to uh, a virtual world um, and pursue a prize, for instance. Um, so it's actually more rooted into that fictional mm. <laughs> origins, actually, mm. yeah. uh, which can also then bear a bit of a negative aspect to it because, mm. like I said, it was more linked to a cyberpunk genre, which is actually dystopian by, its, by, by definition. Uh, by, default, yeah. Yeah, yeah. by default, yeah. And, of course, it's quite a negative take on <laughs> then what could be the metaverse. Mm. Yeah. So, like, for example, I'm not a gamer. Um, how could I um, kind of benefit from the metaverse or is there any other kind of sector that can be involved in it? Yeah, I mean, that's that's... That's why all those companies are interested in because gaming is maybe the most obvious one because when we talk about virtual worlds, of course, that's obvious. You, you already have those worlds today and it's just a matter of maybe pushing them a bit further. Mm -hmm. But when you talk metaverse with companies like Microsoft, for instance, they also push from a different angle. So basically they, they push the angle of maybe the collaboration, uh, maybe from a more work perspective mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. that yeah. you could actually be involved in the metaverse, actually collaborating with someone, maybe on the other side of the planet, but on in, in this 3D world and maybe uh, some kind of tangible interaction that you could have. So it's very um, theoretical, let's say for now. <laughs> it's just a picture that we can have. Uh, but clearly the idea is to push the metaverse way beyond than just gaming. And if you actually mm -hmm. want to buy in from people, it has to be more than just gaming. It has to be yeah. about almost every aspect of our lives mm -hmm. that should mm -hmm. be almost replicated within the metaverse. And again, this is also maybe an aspect that scares people a bit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Having that uh, all life actually duplicated in a virtual world. I think that's the most uh, negative uh, connotation I've, I've heard from, mm -hmm. for, uh, from people on the metaverse. And people are just really scared um, that life is going to become a, like a, a not real anymore. Yeah, so yeah. Mm. I don't know. Yeah, that's... And we've seen like a number of attempts over the years. You say that like the metaverse has kind of existed for for quite a while. Actually, mm. it's not really yeah. such a novel concept, right? Indeed, indeed, uh, it's true. I didn't mention, but in terms of really concrete attempts, uh, like you mentioned, uh, a good example was maybe Second Life. Uh, not a lot of people know it. Second Life is regaining a new popularity <laughs> because yeah. now everybody is talking about the metaverse. So mm. we we are looking at what Second Life did. Uh, so for those who don't know, Second Life was more of a virtual environment, like a game, basically, uh, that you could access on your computer, um, but without having a specific purpose. Uh, mm -hmm. It's just like replicating life, basically. Um, so, it's, so it's been around almost 20 years, uh, but it's like a few millions players, but it's still limited popularity and then quickly actually declined. Uh, maybe more recently, we could 
we could look at, for instance, Fortnite, so the game which is hugely popular as an attempt in a way, uh, from a very specific angle, because it was, uh, first it's a game, it's a kind of battle royale game, super popular with kids especially. Uh, and the thing is that mm. it, they quickly evolved to more what we would call a live service game. Um, so basically the fact that it goes beyond just being a game and it evolves actually because mm -hmm. they organize events. For mm -hmm. instance, mm. they did that concert with Travis Scott uh, mm. in the game. So you had the, the, the singer, uh, a 3D modelized that you could actually see and attend the concert for free within the game. Um, they also evolved the game mechanics a lot. And so actually there is this virtual world with, which actually is starting to check what I was saying earlier like it's social it's persistent mm. and of course it's tr transactional because actually you can buy assets like skins or s mm -hmm. stuff for your avatar maybe to get a better player or stronger player so that's maybe the most concrete one <laughs> that yeah. we have today mm. that could be linked to potential metaverse maybe some years would you say there's something um a kind of element of escapism that that kind of perpetuates the, the the existence of the metaverse in a sense. Would you, what would you personally think about that? Yeah, I mean, it was always the case already with video games, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> video games was also, especially maybe ten or twenty years from now, quite badly perceived because it was seen as something that could be addictive, it's very negative mm -hmm. on the way you interact with the world, actually. Mm. Uh, now it's better. I think there is a better perception in terms of video games. But again, the question is back on the table of, okay, but if we, now we go actually a bit further, it's not just about an entertaining experience of playing a game, it's yeah. really about replicating everything life in uh, some kind of virtual world mm -hmm. that is actually, maybe who is actually controlling those worlds, we don't know. Um, and, and yeah, that, that can be scary. Uh, that's, yeah. the, that's the dystopian part of those cyberpunk novels. For sure. The dark uh, side. Yeah. Especially also with COVID, and people are yeah. lacking human contacts. Yeah. Yeah. And now we are pushing the idea to people that you will actually get even less human contact yeah. because everything will exactly. be happening in a world where you actually don't see people mm. for real anymore. This so. is what happens in the movie Already Player One, right? Mm. Yeah, just yeah, like exactly. hides away into yeah, the. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's, we've already started this kind of um, yeah. this road this of desensitization one. almost mm -hmm. uh, to, yeah, yeah, towards yeah. real yeah. contact. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, um, Going back to something you said before, talking about assets, um, can you explain really briefly in your words um, what an <laughs> NFT is? Because I think that's like the new buzzword at the moment. Yeah, indeed. So uh, <laughs> NFT could be linked to that uh, asset discussion. So NFT stands for non-fungible token. And so the idea is that uh, it introduces the concept of digital scarcity. Uh, so the fact that uh, if you have a digital asset, let's say a picture, for instance, but it can be anything, it can be uh, um, any media file, it can be a video, it can be a song, it can be even a small application, <laughs> it can really be anything. Uh, and actually you can, let's say, tokenize this asset. And so basically, thanks to the blockchain, you can uh, give it a clear identity, a unique identity, and then you can actually get ownership of that specific asset. And once you introduce uh, once you introduce actually the concept of digital scarcity, uh, it means that you can actually start to attach um, speculative value to that asset, meaning that you can put a price and it can get rare, basically, scarce. Uh, it means that some people maybe would actually bet on this as an investment then. Um, so that's the part for the NFT, and that's why you have so many artists today investing in this, uh, right. because 
uh, it's also a way for them to get uh, remunerated uh, yeah. for their art. Um, but then if we link that back to the metaverse, you could imagine that, let's say you have an avatar in the metaverse and the idea is that you could have a very specific, let's say, skin that could be even, you know, uh, a skin from a famous fashion brand, <laughs> Dolce Gabbana, mm -hmm. whatever. And maybe you alone have that very specific skin. So it's then very uh, unique as an item, can have a lot of value, actually. Um, and so the idea is that you could actually buy those digital assets as an NFT that are linked to you and you are the owner, can bear value and you can resell as well if you want. Uh, so there's always three parties involved, the owner, creator and buyer, or is it, does it work differently? Yeah, Correct? indeed. So you always have, of course, the author and you can maybe link back a specific asset. Thanks, for instance, like with a smart contract uh, that says, okay, this, this specific asset is always linked to that specific author and you can have like royalties, for instance, mm. if there is a resale happening. Uh, and then you as an owner, you, you actually buy the, this asset, you can resell it, like I was saying, <coughs> because there is specific, um, sorry, speculative value, uh, you can resell it with a profit if you want. Yeah. Um, so yeah, uh, basically, uh, that's, uh, uh, it's really mimicking <laughs> the transactional economy that we have in real life, mm -hmm. and basically uh, applying this to a virtual world, but then with digital assets, basically. There's something very um, uh, transparent and very almost very democratic about it then, actually. So the mm -hmm. Yeah, you could see it that way, indeed. Uh, you could see it, indeed, like uh, because the blockchain, by definition, is open and transparent. Yeah. So that's what actually gives you the opportunity to have that digital scarcity because everything is identified and unique. Um, so, indeed, it's a very different way of proceeding. And uh, like I was saying, that's also why it's appealing then for artists because it was uh, today in the real world, you have that difficulty for an artist to actually get mm. paid correctly for yeah. their work. Mm -hmm. uh, it's easy yeah. to have your work copied or not credited, especially digitally speaking. But now that you can have actually that digital scarcity, you can actually link back an art to a specific author. So yeah. you make sure that those persons are actually always credited. Yeah. Okay, that's good. Yeah. <laughs> that's the positive side of it, that's, indeed. Yeah. Yeah. That's what yeah. we like to yeah. hear. Yeah. It's good for designers. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we can talk a little bit about uh, the, the problems around the... Yeah, we're running a little bit out of time, but uh, yeah. But maybe yeah, maybe we can talk about like the the kind of knock-on effects of the of the metaverse. I think the yeah. the kind of behind the scenes that people maybe don't think about yeah. initially. Mm -hmm. Indeed, so um. it's uh, it's it's quite appealing as a vision, or it could be. Uh, maybe there are a lot of opportunities, but indeed there are also a lot of limitations. Uh, maybe the first one is there are technical limitations to it. Basically, mm -hmm. uh, the metaverse itself, especially if you want to render and run. 3D worlds in real time uh, it can get quite heavy, especially if you are in a virtualized world, actually, with a headset or whatever, yeah. because it collects a lot of data points, uh, by calculating your position in space, mm. your movement, and so on. So it's much more complex than just running a game as today. Uh, so there are a lot, of, a lot of those kind of technical limitations, of course. Mm. Um, there is also a real-world issue, basically, applying to the metaverse. Uh, we already see this, this a bit with the blockchain. The blockchain is uh, super, uh, it requires a lot of energy <laughs> to actually- A lot of storage, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Yeah. A lot of storage, and a lot of, yeah. a lot of electricity actually to mm -hmm. make it running. Uh, basically, if you want to run basically the web 
on the blockchain, that's basically, uh, I mean, uh, at scale, it's huge in terms of what it right. requires. Mm -hmm. And we already have a kind of a limit of what we can produce in terms of energy, especially we are actually in a transition in terms of the kind of power sources that we are using. Mm. Yeah. Um, so that's another potential challenge. Uh, of course, other environmental issues like rare earth mining that would get mm. even worse. Uh, E-waste, uh, producing even more devices mm. that would get obsolete quite quite fast, and that you actually need to revive every two years or whatever. Um, so, of course, that's part of the of the discussion. And maybe one last is uh, questions of privacy, maybe or uh, potentially abuses that you can have. For instance, the blockchain, like we said, is transparent, but it's not especially built for transparency itself uh, as it is built today. Uh, so. It's a bit uh, misaligned and also with the conversation we have on the web today where people mm -hmm. are actually requesting more privacy from those big companies that yeah. are collecting a lot of data. But then on the, other, on the other hand, we are pushing for an open ledger that everybody can actually consult. So where is actually, uh, how do we find a balance with privacy? Yeah. Um, and then the abuses I was mentioning is that, for instance, uh, the fact that on the blockchain, what you write on the blockchain is peer verified, so there is a lot of other peers and computers actually verifying what's written in the blockchain, that's what guarantees its uh, authenticity. Mm. Uh, but then it means also that, let's say, someone hacks your account and do some nasty stuff with it, and then once it's written in the blockchain, it's linked to your name forever, forever. and yeah. it's really, really difficult to change it. Yeah. And so basically, you will completely lose the, you know, the the right to be forgotten that you have on the web right. today a bit, and you can ask Google to remove, for instance, specific uh, occurrence link to, to your name, maybe. Mm -hmm. That's almost impossible to do uh, with the blockchain. Yeah, well, there's definitely some kind of sensitivity around it, for sure. Yeah, definitely. Um, if you were to to bet on a metaverse provider today, who would you, who would you bet on? Okay. Yeah. Uh, difficult questions. Like I said, it's uh, who is going to put the puzzle. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be fast. <laughs> yeah, mm. uh, the first one. Um, maybe my guess, my personal guess would be uh, maybe Sony. Uh, and the reason I'm saying this is because Sony is actually already building uh, hardware, VR hardware. They also have a lot of experience building games with the PlayStation brand. And actually, they own a lot of uh, licenses, you know, through video games, actually. Yeah. They bought a lot of studios. They are still doing this today. Uh, of course, Microsoft is doing the same on their own. Um, but uh, yeah, maybe do, do they have already part of the puzzle, and maybe mm -hmm. it's also how they could bring those other parts to the company. Uh, then, yeah, maybe, of course, you can look at, like I was saying, Fortnite. Uh, I don't know, but they are the closest thing we might have that could turn someday maybe into a metaverse. Mm. So, yeah, maybe those two could be uh, the ones we could follow. And Zuckerberg, where does he stand in all of this? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, that's a huge company. They have a lot of money. Uh, he made it uh, the new mission of the company and they announced like 10 billion investment in the next few years just for the metaverse. So, mm. just doing that, you give yourself a lot of chances uh, maybe the only the only real question is will people still trust uh, Meta or Facebook to mm -hmm. actually yeah. <laughs> be, the, be the, 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 the provider, the provider yeah. that you want to be involved mm -hmm. with <laughs> yeah. yeah 
And maybe um, a final question, because um, we need to conclude. Um, yourself, how do you see uh, the metaverse? Do you see it more as a positive or a negative thing for the future? Um, I'm, let's say I'm pretty... N let's say I try to be critical with it. Uh, I, 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 like I was saying in the beginning, and I think we need to go beyond just the marketing mm. message yeah. we are getting, for especially from Facebook or Meta, uh, or all those companies. And maybe... It's uh, our role, especially us, involved in <laughs> everything digital, and especially as designers, to be critical and just be informed mm -hmm. uh, of what it is, what's happening, and what would be, allez, basically, uh, you know, the positives, the negatives, uh, yeah. what you can get out of it, what's the positive sides, what are the negative mm -hmm. sides. So I'd say for now, let's just be critical, um, and also let's make sure that we build basically a better web <laughs> that's the opportunity to do it uh, and maybe uh, a more open web again just not what we call then a closed metaverse where you have one or a few actors actually running it and they control again everything so maybe today is our chance to avoid that so do more more research basically yep. from reliable always. sources mm, <laughs> <always>. <laughs> yeah we we like a lot of yeah we We like a lot of research, real, I real think. Research. Yeah, <laughs> especially as a UX designer. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Okay, great. Well, thank you very much, uh, Xavier. Yes, thank it you. It was very interesting and insightful. Thank you, Thomas. Thanks, Xavier. Thanks, Isabel. And um, we'll see you next time. Next time. Bye. Cheers. Thank you for listening to Flux. If you like this episode, subscribe and rate us on your favorite podcast platform. See you on the next one.